Hello, my name is Mukuka Chpanta, and I'm a Zambian author and aerospace engineer. Welcome to the second season of my podcast, Kutika, Modern African Stories. Each time, I introduce you to a short story written by me and performed by different narrators. I'd like to thank all of my listeners for the overwhelming support received in our first series. If you have not yet listened to it, please take some time to do so and remember to post a review. It really helps with our sponsors. In series two, I have a special treat for you with the story of love, longing, and kindness, which I hope will resonate with you on a deeply personal level. The story is entitled One Stranger to Another and features two wonderful performers, Miss Muzala Shimukowa and my very own sister, Saka Chipanta Sega. One Stranger to Another, Part 1, by Mukuka Chipanta. September 27, 1996, Kaputa, Rural District, Northern Province. Mama Betty made sure there was no one within earshot before drawing a threadbare curtain over the entrance to her single room abode. The morning sun had not yet risen above the horizon. She paused to steal herself, her back towards her guest. What is it, Mana Pascal? What has happened? What did you need to discuss? Concern was strewn over Juliet's face. She was worried about her friend. Betty turned to face Juliet and smiled, but her eyes betrayed her lips. Sitting on a wooden stool behind a reed mat, Laid in the center of the room, Juliet straightened her back as she waited for Betty to speak. Yeah, look at me. Where are my manners? Betty glanced towards the corner in the room where she stored a handful of metal cups and plates. I didn't even offer you any water to drink. She moved quickly and began to pour from a calabash into two cups. She handed one to her guest and settled into a seat next to her. They each took sips from their respective cups in silence, the air between them thick with expectation. After a few perfunctory questions about the health and well-being of family members, Mama Betty placed her cup onto the floor and reached between the pages of a dog-eared Bible at her feet. She withdrew an envelope and opened it slowly before brandishing its contents in front of Juliet. Juliet stared fearfully at the letter. It hung in Betty's outstretched hand for a moment. Please, please read it. It's a letter from Pascal's school. Betty insisted. Thanks to their primary school education at the Catholic Missionary School, both women possessed a basic level of literacy. However, like most girls in their day, 
They had been forced to leave school prematurely, to till the fields and get married. Julia took the letter into her hands and slowly unfolded it. They sat quietly with only the sound of birds chirping in the trees outside. Betty closed her eyes. Pastor Lusambo gave it to me. He collected it from the post office in Kasama. They, they are saying that Pascal has not reported for school and that they will have no choice but to withdraw his scholarship. Juliet shifted uncomfortably. She extended her hand and placed it on Betty's shoulder. Vana Pascal, she began softly, but was unable to finish her sentence. Mama Betty swallowed hard. They, they are saying he has not reported for school. They have not seen him. Her eyes were welling up with tears, her voice cracking. I am so worried. My Juliet, where is my son? Where is my boy? Betty looked pained, as if exhausted from the many thoughts swelling inside her head. Juliet covered her mouth. Anna Pascal, did you speak to Pastor Lusambo? What did he say? Betty shook her head. He, he said to wait for him. He said he would make a call to someone in Kasama for help on Monday. But, but I'm so worried. My Juliet, I'm so worried. Where is he? Where is my boy? It's not like Pasco. What if... What if something, something has happened to him? What if he... Juliet lifted herself from her stool and embraced her friend. Put your trust in him, my sister. Our Lord is in control of every situation. Trust in him. Mama Betty wiped a tear that had broken from the corner of her eye. Thank you, my sister. You always find the right words to say. I'm grateful for your friendship. She paused. That boy is all I have. It has always been just the two of us. I know it has not been easy for him growing up without his father, and I wonder if that is the cause of what is happening now. A boy needs a firm hand of a father, and I've always feared that someday something like this, that something would happen. I need to find him, my Juliet. I need to find my son before. She choked on her words. Juliet tightened her embrace. Vana Pasco, please let us wait for Pastor Lusambo. If he says he can call someone to help, let us wait for him. But I cannot wait, my Juliet. I can't wait. I must find my son. What if I'm too late? What if I must travel to Kitwe? I must. But where will you stay, Vanna Pasco? Kitwe is a big place. I think we should wait and see what Pastor Lusambo. Perhaps you can come and stay with me. It's not good for you to be here by yourself, all alone like this. Juliet's eyes searched the room. Betty shook her head. I have to find my son. 
If it means sleeping on the street, I will do it until I find my boy. Sensing intransigence in her friend's voice, Juliet relented. She thought for a moment before offering a solution. Rashi Juliet has relatives Kukitwe, Anna Pascal. Maybe I can ask him for an address where you can at least stay when you arrive. She paused. Betty lifted her head. Yeah, yes, I will ask him to give me the address as soon as he returns from Isoka tomorrow night. I promise to give you the details when we meet at church on Sunday. Please, please wait until then. Promise me you won't go anywhere until we see each other again on Sunday. Betty smiled thankfully. My Juliet, you are truly a sister to me. I don't know what I'd do without you. Juliet rubbed her friend's shoulder reassuringly. Stay strong, my sister. God is in charge. Trust in him. Please wait until Sunday. That night, Mama Betty found it impossible to sleep. Thoughts of her son swirling inside her head. Where was he? Was he safe? Had he been taken into bad company? Had he fallen prey to thieves on his journey to the copper belt? She'd heard stories. Many people in the village had heard anecdotes about bandits stealing money from passengers on the long journey to the city. Had Pascal been robbed of his pocket money and now stranded, unable to return home? Or worse still, had he fallen victim to a murderous gang, stripped of his belongings, and left in a ditch somewhere. These thoughts were enough to break a mother's spirit. She prayed to a God for no harm to come to her son. Barely three months earlier, Mama Betty had been elated upon hearing the news that Pascal had been offered a scholarship to attend Mpelembe Secondary, one of the most prestigious boarding schools in the country. It was an opportunity of a lifetime, a chance for young Pascal to fulfill his potential and make a better life for himself. Even though Betty had been anxious about her son leaving her and traveling on his own for the first time, she did not let it dampen her spirit. She was proud of him beyond measure. Mpelembe was located in Kitwe, almost 600 kilometers away, and Betty knew that once Pasco left for school, she would not see him again until the end of the school term. She was grateful to Pastor Elijah Lusambo and the entire church community who had rallied behind them and generously put together the funds needed for Pasco's transportation and pocket money. Are you a Zambian living abroad? and looking to invest in real estate back home? Are you thinking of owning a home in the motherland but tired of hearing the horror stories of shoddy building projects and the lack of proper accounting for the money you send to friends and family? Well, finally there is a solution. Afrispore Developments. Afrispore Developments is a registered infrastructure development company 
focused on providing a world-class design and construction service that you can trust. With offices in Lusaka and Melbourne, Australia, Afrispor has over 15 years of architectural design and construction experience in a variety of sectors including residential, office, retail, healthcare, and interior design. Afrispor's professional project managers ensure flawless execution of building projects on the ground while providing full transparency in financial accounting. For more information, visit www.afrispor.com spelled A F R I S P O R E Afrispor Developments creating infrastructure that is proudly and uniquely African. In spite of her promise to Juliet, Betty could not wait. She left for Kasama, the provincial capital, before dawn the very next day. Once in Kasama, her plan was to catch an afternoon bus for Kitwe, but before she did that, she would pay Pasco's estranged father, Barnabas, a visit. It was something she was loath to do, but under the circumstances, she felt she had no choice. She needed all the help she could get. Betty felt her armpits moisten as she watched taxis zigzag along the busy street. She pressed her hand-woven bag containing a change of clothes and the few essentials under her elbow and walked briskly across the dusty road. When she reached the pavement on the other side, she took a moment to gather herself. She looked up at the facade of the building in front of her. There was a huge sign in red letters that read, ShopRite. Mama Betty trundled through a crowd of shoppers at the entrance of the store, but fought a tag on her bag just as she made it to the turnstile. A stern-faced security guard stood behind her. Madam, if you're Kusha. He pointed towards an open booth where shoppers were leaving their bags in exchange for coin-sized tokens. Betty recalled the time when there was a presumption of innocence in the country, when society assumed the best in people instead of the worst in them. Sadly, this was the way of the world of today, a world in which she had to raise her son. Once inside the store, Betty craned her neck towards a row of cashiers dressed in matching white and blue uniforms. She had last seen Barnabas two months earlier and she remembered the encounter vividly. Pasco had just been awarded a scholarship to attend Mpelembe Secondary School. His tuition was covered by the school, but she needed help with uniforms and transportation, as well as a little pocket money to take with him. She had decided to visit Barnabas to ask for his help, but, as always, Barnabas had shown indifference towards the welfare of his son. He claimed he did not have any money to spare. It was the same tad story she had heard over and over again throughout the boy's life. 
In her estimation, Barnabas cared only for his wife and family at home and nothing for the son he had fathered out of wedlock. They had exchanged angry words and she had vowed never to ask him for anything again. She saw Barnabas from a distance. He was seated at counter number eight. Betty entered his line and was soon moving towards him. She mulled over what to say. Should she tell him directly that she needed money? Or should she ask to speak with him privately? Betty knew that a private conversation was the civil thing to do, but a part of her wished she had the gumption to shame him in public for all the years he had abrogated his responsibilities as a father. Ah, uh-uh, Betty! There was an uneasy look in Barnabas's eyes. He glanced nervously over his shoulder towards his supervisor's office in the front of the store. I need to speak with you. I'm working. It's about Pasco. Ah, Betty, I'm, I'm busy now. Can we... It's urgent, Barnabas. I'm worried about him. I need to speak with you. He looked over his shoulder again and then down at his wrist. All right, all right. Give, give me one hour. I'll be on my break. I'll meet you outside. Barnabas was cleanly shaven. His blue necktie and starched white shirt made him look more like a schoolboy than a man in his mid-thirties. It rankled Betty that she still found him attractive. Truth be told, he remained the only man she had ever truly loved. But sometimes, love can play cruel games with one's heart. Even when it had become clear that her love for him was unrequited, Betty had held hopes that the birth of their son would change him, make him choose her over his other lovers. Alas, that never came to pass. Barnabas held the letter in his hand, a sorrowful look entering his face. Betty, I think we should wait and see if we can talk to... Wait? Wait? Wait for what, Barnabas? My son, your son, needs help and all you can say is we must wait? He raised his palms in an attempt to calm her down. They were standing in the dusty side street. A taxi rank several feet behind them. Listen, listen, he said in a hushed voice. I'm worried about you, Betty. You look like you haven't slept in days. Maybe you should talk to... I must go and find my son, she breathed heavily. I came here to ask you to help me find my boy before... Before it's too late. Before. Barnabas stopped her in mid-sentence. Betty, listen to me. You need to calm down and... Our son is missing. Will you help me? I need to travel to Kitwe. I need to catch a bus. Barnabas shook his head. I, I don't have any money right now. Betty... Can you wait for me? I need to go back to work. He glanced at his watch. Wait for me here. 
and we can talk after I get off. He started towards the store. She bit her bottom lip. Why had she even bothered? It was a waste of time. She should have known better. A leopard never changes its spots. She adjusted her bag over her right shoulder. She would have to do it by herself. She could feel a tightness in the back of her throat. And in that moment, she reviled him. This story continues in the next episode. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave us a rating or post a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me at Chipanta Mukuka on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out my website, mukukachipanta.com, for updates and information about my upcoming events. Until next time, stay tuned.